Welcome to the Liz Career Coaching Podcast. My name is Liz Herrera and I am your host, career coach, and job search ally. People strive to find career happiness, purpose, and satisfaction, and yet end up in a career path that does not align with their goals and overall purpose. If you are launching your career or ready for your next career move, this podcast will empower you to pave your path and take the action steps to get you where you need to be. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Liz Career Coaching Podcast. My name is Liz Herrera and I'm your host. I can still vividly remember my first day and overall experience for my first full-time job right after college. I had no idea what it would be like to be a full-time employee, what would be expected of me, and how to navigate the professional workplace. And this is a very common experience for many of us. As an early careerist, we go through many trials and tribulations, we make plenty of mistakes, and we learn how to navigate interactions with different personalities. And it can be very overwhelming. But of course, just like anything else, you figure it out and you learn that this is an ongoing process. And you develop your toolkit, you learn new lessons, and you develop strategies that help you successfully navigate the workplace moving forward. Today, I want to share an incredible resource that can help early careerists expedite this process and position themselves for success as they enter the job market. I am very excited to have Phil Grodin, author of the book, Just Tell Me What I Need to Know, a practical guide for new and young professionals on how to be successful in the workplace. Phil shares insight and expertise based on his career background, supervising, recruiting, mentoring, and working with early careerists in the field of finance, consulting, investment banking, real estate investment, and private credit. Whether you are an early careerist or a mentor to a young professional, this episode is for you. All right. So Phil, it is so great to have you on the show. We have so much to talk about. So let's, let's jump, let's jump into it. Um, Phil, can you, can you begin by talking to us a little bit about your, you know, tell us a little bit about your career trajectory. Absolutely. So I graduated from Indiana University in 2006 and then started my career at Huron Consulting located here in Chicago. Uh, I focused on restructuring and turnarounds. So I was working with distressed companies through bankruptcy. And as you can imagine in 2008 and 2009, there was a lot of that going on. So it was, uh, it was a really interesting experience and I was able to learn a lot in a very short period of time. Uh, in 2011, I decided to move to New York and get my MBA at Columbia and then went to a boutique investment bank in New York called Prella Weinberg. Uh, then in 2016, I moved back to Chicago uh, and joined a healthcare focused real estate company called Ventas, where I worked on the investment side and then on the asset management side as well. And then most recently, about three years ago, I joined Monroe Capital, which is a private credit um, alternative asset manager, uh, and I focus on portfolio management. So I've had a wide range of experiences throughout my career. 
Yes, a, a long one indeed. And so, and I'm really excited that you and I connected because I think we have so much in common in terms of, you know, your experience. I work with a lot of college students, uh, early careerists. And so you um, are the author of a book called uh, Just Tell Me What I Need to Know. And so can you share what inspired you to write this book? Absolutely. So throughout my career, I've always worked with new and young professionals, you know, coming out of undergrad. And I've always been passionate about trying to help them and steer them in the right direction, because I, I remember how difficult it was to make that transition. So I've always been really active on the recruiting side and the training side. So that includes, you know, company presentations on campus, interviews, trainings and orientations, things like that. So I sat down and wrote the book uh, that you mentioned, just tell me what I need to know. And it's really a collection of my experiences throughout my career, um, all the things that your manager wishes you would know when you start and for one re reason or another might not tell you. So um, every, every lesson is backed by an example from my career, either as a new hire or as a manager. So you can all see how it's relevant to your upcoming career. And I really appreciate you writing this book. Um, I was very lucky to have a glimpse, to take a glimpse of, of the book. And I will say that when I was reading the chapters, which I know we'll, we'll get into it in a bit, I, you know, I thought to myself, I wish this existed when I first started my career. It was all trial and error. No one tells you, right? And you learn, I think even still to this day, I'm still learning how to navigate, you know, the, the, the work uh, platform here. But uh, there are a lot of tips and strategies that, that you provide. What I would love for you to talk a little bit about are, you know, what are some of the common pitfalls that you have seen in your experience that early careers do when they enter the job market? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think I would say, you know, one of the first things I see for new career, new professionals uh, is not being resourceful. Um, so if you think about your manager, um, they're already extremely busy and now they're taking on the added, you know, added uh, time of, of training you and you really need to, you know, respect that and, and, and treat that, you know, with some care. So what I do in the book is I walk through the different ways that you can potentially answer a question without going directly to your manager. That's not to say that there aren't questions you should certainly have for your manager, but I'll just quickly run through them. You know, if it's something that you can find on the internet, you should, you should do that. You shouldn't ask your manager. Um, you're typically around peers who have been at the company probably a year or two more than you. So they were in your seat only a year ago and they're working on very similar projects. So they probably can answer that question for you. And then if it's something, you know, in a different department of the company, maybe it's an HR question or an IT question, go directly to those groups. But it's really about, like I said, respecting your manager's time. And if it's a real question that needs to be answered, of course, go talk to your manager, but try to minimize them as much as you can. Um, I would say another area that I see, uh, you know, early on is how new professionals handle making mistakes. So it's something that inevitably always happens and everyone expects it. No one's going to be perfect. The important thing, though, is how you deal with that situation that you just made a mistake. I often see new hires 
um, you know, deflecting blame or giving excuses. And it, it's never really a good answer. So I, I kind of say there's, there's really three things you should be doing when you make a mistake. First is own up to it. You know, you made a mistake, it's okay, but just recognize that you made it. Second is, especially if you don't understand why you made a mistake or how, ask the question and learn so that you won't make it again, which of course is number three, don't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> um, you know, one of my, my uh, favorite pet peeves that I love to talk about, I call meeting etiquette. So this is not a surprise to anyone, but of course, managers do not like to see young professionals on their phones, you know, on social media or texting during meetings. I don't think that's something we need to spend a lot of time talking about. But one thing I find interesting is a lot of new professionals um, work during meetings. And I think they think that that's a good thing. So the, I'll, I'll kind of set the stage for you. You know, we all go into a meeting room, the new professional will either sit on the outside or sit in the corner with their laptop and their head will be down and they'll be clicking away the whole time working. I personally like to see new, new professionals take an interest in the work, um, especially the fact that they're, they're spending so much of their time just executing. It's really nice to take a break and really understand the bigger picture and show some intellectual curiosity. So I often guide new hires, unless it's an absolute emergency that you need to be working on, um, put the laptop away and, and sit and really absorb and, and listen. Yeah, to really be engaged. And I think it's just, a, it's also respectful. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, it's interesting because you talk about fielding questions or, or just trying to figure out certain things, right? And that's part of being a, an early careerist is figuring things out, trial and error. And I, I guess also because it's it could be scary. You're new in a position. You don't want to make a mistake. But what you're saying is trust yourself. You know, you got the job, you have the skill set trusting your abilities and that you find the resources within yourself that you're able to navigate, you know, like you said, go to your, to your colleagues and, and try to identify, you know, the, where you can find the answer to some of the basic things. But now you're saying too, if someone makes a mistake in, because we all make mistakes, I still make them, of course, <laughs> but, you know, take accountability. It's okay. It's part of being human and just accept it and learn from it. Um, so these are just some of the takeaways from some of the things that you just shared and then being present always. Absolutely. Always learning, always absorbing. Um, it's, it's natural, especially when you're working long hours to say, oh, we have an hour meeting. This is an extra hour that I could save and go home a little bit earlier. But yeah, there's so much that I learned in my career by sitting in those meetings and watching people. I mean, even if the subject matter isn't the most exciting, um, you can still learn about effective communication. That's, that's a little trick that I always used to use because there's plenty of meetings I'm sure we all know, you know, that aren't the most exciting and maybe they're very repetitive and you feel like there's nothing to be learned. But I would kind of mentally grade everyone's presentation skills and try to figure out, you know, why is this person more persuasive? Why is this person not, you know, are they droning on? Are, are they connecting with their audience? And that really helped me later on in my career. I really love that piece that you mentioned that I'm like, yes, that makes sense. It's like you find other things that you can learn and gain from even that experience. So the, the human observation, the behavior. Absolutely. Um, always, always be watching and always be absorbing is, is really good advice. Yeah, no, I think that's great. So in your book, uh, you break it down by three pillars. Yes. Con contribute, excel and grow. So can you, uh, 
unpack that a little bit more? Absolutely. So the way I structured the book is really chronological for the reader. Um, I thought about, you know, as a new new professional, what's the one thing that you want to do when you start your career on, on really day one? And it's contribute. You just want to be a team member. You know, you want to have your piece of the project and, and just add value any way that you can. It's certainly great to shadow and it's incredibly important to do that. But everyone has that desire to dig in and to really do something. Um, so these chapters are really focused on that, on how to be a good team member, how to contribute the right way. So things like managing expectations, if you know, you're not going to be able to make a deadline, you know, telling your manager right away so that you can you know, strategize and, and sort of pivot. Um, how and when to ask for help. You know, these are important things like I've seen a lot of new hires get really nervous um, to ask a question and you know a couple hours or even a couple of days will pass by because they're too afraid to just ask when we really need to be moving it along so these are these are really simple concise chapters to kind of help you become a really successful team member um, section two is excel um, so now you've become that team member and you're starting to feel good and confident about yourself these chapters really teach you how to become a top performer how to really step up um, and, and show that you can really add more value than what was initially expected. So, you know, we talked about it earlier, but effective communication skills is vital. Um, you know, working with difficult people is a challenge that I've seen, you know, a lot of new professionals struggle with. So I have a chapter on how to do that. But these are the things that are really going to make you differentiate with your peers. And then section three is called grow. And these are about forming habits from day one that will really pay off dividends in sort of the medium and long term of your career. So things like, you know, how to get feedback and how to incorporate it into, you know, working on your career. A lot of people are terrified of feedback and a lot of firms only provide it once a year. But I recommend talking to your manager after a project or after a difficult assignment and being open to hearing feedback that might be painful to hear at first, but now at least you know what you need to work on. Um, how to network the right way is a, is a chapter that I wrote that I really enjoy and I could be happy to talk about more about that. And the last thing I actually talk about is reading. There's really two sections in there. Um, one is about becoming a subject matter expert. So you know, if you're in healthcare, digging into the subject matter and really understanding it. And that's by, you know, reading things like, you know, daily publications and things like that, you know, specific to your industry, but also reading books. Uh, you know, I'm an avid reader um, on biographies and business history, and it's a great way to really help build out your career. Yeah, I always tell my students, you know, it, this is, we're lifelong learners. Absolutely. And, you know, you finish your degree, you're at work, you're mm -hmm you always have to stay on top of trends. Things are always changing. And that really does make you an asset when you really get that knowledge of things that are changing and being adaptable. Now, you mentioned at the beginning, you've mentioned one of the pillars being to contribute, right? I'm, yes. I'm going to ask you this. I want you to go back to when you first started working, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, when you were an early careerist. Do you remember any time where you felt like you were maybe a scenario where you were, you contributed and that helped you maybe progress in a position? Like now I feel like I'm like interviewing you for a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually there's, there's a story that comes to mind. I remember, you know, I was a consultant, you know, when I, first, I think I mentioned earlier and there was a project where we needed to do an analysis on a company and I was given a set amount of financial data 
And, you know, at this point, I kind of learned how to do all the right things, you know, how to prepare the analysis the right way and ask the right questions. So I sat down and built out the analysis and there were certain holes that came up, information, you know, follow-up requests that I was going to need to really complete the analysis. So rather than asking my manager every time, which is another thing I talk about, you know, I created a list and kept moving forward and took the analysis as far as possible. Once it was done, I had a list of maybe five or 10 requests um, and I felt really good about myself. So I walked into my manager's office and I said, you know, the analysis is almost complete. Here's the information that we need. Um, and, you know, she said, unfortunately, there's not any more information that is available to us. So we're just going to have to make it work. And I remember going back to my desk and feeling really dejected and not knowing what to do. And it took me a while to kind of figure it out. But I realized that you don't always have, you know, perfect information like you might in, in a classroom. Um, but what I did was I started making assumptions and I started getting comfortable with incomplete information. And I, you know, was careful to sort of note those assumptions. And then I walked through them with my manager who, you know, ended up tweaking them a little bit. But that was the first time where I felt like it, it, I went beyond just simply like doing a task and then handing it in like a homework assignment where I actually took it to the next level. So it's a story that's always stuck with me. Love that. Thank you for sharing. I know I kind of put you on the spot there. No, I love it. <laughs> I, you know, I just I just love hearing people's experiences and like and I think you draw from that, right? Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, and I like how you you kind of mentioned that student aspect as people that are transitioning and still using that that student skill set, right? If it's okay, going above and beyond, uh going, you know, taking that extra mile, like you said, it does pay dividends when you do that. It it, it feels sometimes like, well, this is not my job, but it people notice when you do take initiative and it's a learning lesson and it's a skill building thing too. Uh, so thank you. I like that yeah. example. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And I, I, the test mentality is something that I see all the time where people see it as like, you know, I get an assignment, I complete it, I get a hundred percent or, you know, I make a mistake and I get 90%, but really it's, it's not that it's about growing and building and, you know, offering up your services. If it's something that you maybe don't have a lot of experience in, um, you can tell that person and say, hey, I'd love to learn more about this. Can I take a stab at this? You know, I, I, I've never, I don't have any experience with this. So it might not be, you know, a, a finished product. But if you set those expectations, your manager will appreciate that you're taking a chance and trying to grow your career. So it's a very different mindset. And I find that oftentimes young people have a little bit of a challenge breaking out of that mold. Yes, a growth mindset. So, it, okay, so now going the other the other perspective as a manager, as a recruiter, can you share success stories or a success story of some people that you've worked with early careerists who have embodied the three pillars in some way, shape or form? Sure. Yeah, I, I have plenty. <laughs> Thankfully, I have plenty because I've worked with a lot of great people. Um, let me see. So I can remember when I was in um, real estate and part of our job was to sort of analyze all of our tenants' financials. So I had a new analyst who had just come out of college and part of his job was to collect all the financials from all the different analysts across our group and consolidate them into one report. And then we deliver that report to senior management. And a big chunk of his time was um, consolidating them because everybody was using a different format and a different template. So, you know, that was just the way things were done. And, you know, I, I, 
didn't personally see that because I wasn't in the weeds. Uh, and I think previous analysts just figured, you know, hey, this is the way it is. So that's the way it is. But he took the initiative and he built out a template and he came to me and showed it to me and I thought it was fantastic. And then he ended up getting buy-in from all the other analysts. And this severely shrank the number of hours each month he worked on this assignment and it freed up his bandwidth. And believe it or not, he got to work on a special project with me, um, which gave him exposure to senior management and actually mm -hmm. ultimately was a big contributing factor for an early promotion. So I like to say, you know, the, the, the phrase, that's just the way things are done. You really got to get out of that mindset because even as someone new, you can offer a fresh perspective. And I think that a lot of people are just terrified because um, they figure that they don't have any value to add, but, but you do and you were hired for a reason. So if you see a way to add value, talk to your manager about it, of course, um, but then put it into, into action. So um, that was, yeah, that was a, one of the stories where I feel like they really, um, sort of embodied, you know, some of that Excel uh, um, from that section. Yeah, no, that's, I, I, I love that. And also that the, because um, you mentioned earlier about, you know, expanding your network. And so with this individual, were they, you know, stepping out of their comfort zone, even to, because you, know, you said that they worked with you on a project, even taking it to that step where they're working with other people that maybe are not within their kind of scope? Is that something that you see as well? Yeah, I think, like I said, if, if you see opportunities, you know, and you feel comfortable, like you can take that next step, you absolutely should. And in fact, I have a chapter that's called Step Up. Um, I, I certainly don't want to pressure anyone because I know with myself, you know, on my first day or first week or first month, I just wasn't prepared to start adding value right away. And I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable or they feel pressure, like it's something that they have to do. But when you feel like you can start to contribute more and you're starting to feel comfortable, push yourself and get out of that comfort zone. That actually makes me think of another story working with a different analyst. We would have to do um, write-ups on some of our companies. And I was working with an analyst and he would typically do sort of the fact gathering. And then I would build out more of the analysis. And, you know, we had done this cadence a couple months and he came to me and said, hey, do you mind if I try to do the whole thing myself? Now, there's no way he could have done that in his first month or second month, maybe even his third month. But after doing it a few times, he felt like he could give it a shot. And, you know, he put something together that was really good. And we ended up iterating a little bit and got it out. And it was a great work product. But not only did he build out his career, but now I recognized him as someone who continually wants to push himself. And I'm going to be investing more of my time in something like that. So it's really on um, two separate fronts. It really helps you. Ooh, you just pointed something out that I, I have to acknowledge because I talk about this all the time. So you can see it. This is like exciting for me. <laughs> uh, I always talk to people about their brand and I always say, you know, your actions and what you do is part of your brand. Yes. And people notice that. And so obviously you just shared that example where you're like, oh, I took notice. And now I know that this is a person that I can rely on, that I can count on, that I can go to. And so when you do those things where you are that going above and beyond or, or taking on these additional tasks or projects, people do take notice and Absolutely. you are creating that brand and people will recognize that. So I'm so glad that you said that <laughs> because I, you know, I talk about this all the time. now. You know, again, I mentioned I work with a lot of, of early careerists, people that are getting ready to graduate from college and, you know, people that haven't been out there in a professional setting, 
but they have experience, right? Even if it's, you know, jobs that they've held during college or internships, but they don't feel 100% confident in entering the professional world. Mm-hmm. What are some things that hiring managers are looking for that some students might not even recognize that they are going to be contributing, that they're like, yes, this is a college graduate. This is what we're looking for. I'm glad you asked that question because I actually have um, three things that I think that every hiring manager looks for. And this is a recurring theme that I've seen throughout my various jobs, various hiring managers. But I think there's really three things. They look for competence. They look for attitude and they look for curiosity. Those are the three things. Competence is, of course, a big component of that is getting things right. And I think that that goes without saying, right? It's not making a ton of mistakes. It's improving on a day in, day out basis. Beyond that, though, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where you're a real team member. So you're not just doing the task. And then if you see something that could be helped, but you avoid it to sort of avoid that failure, that's not how you want to kind of operate. So really being an effective team member and taking responsibility for that role is a big part of um, competence. You know, there's other things like, you know, providing context. I I, I fall under, under, uh, under competence. You know, there's so many times where I'll ask a new hire, you know, ask for, you know, ask the CFO for some information. Although he's never even met that person, he'll just send an email and just say, please send this. And I have to say, you know, introduce yourself, you know, tell him that you're working with me, tell him what company you're working for, tell him why you're looking for it. So there's a lot of things that kind of go into competence. Um, but I think that's where it really starts. And that's a big part of interviewing is making sure that the person is competent and can handle the job. Attitude is probably the easiest thing to change, um, but it's no less important than the other two. And really, you should just ask yourself, do people enjoy working with you? You know, are you a complainer? Um, I've seen so many bright people, you know, come through work for me um, who have an attitude and are not willing to do certain elements of the job or get frustrated very easily. And they think that their intelligence and their technical skills will sort of carry them successfully through their career. But as we all learn very quickly, people skills become much more important than pure intelligence in the business world. So attitude is is crucial. Um, And on the other side, I see a lot of great analysts who I call them act like robots. And I think it's out of fear, right? You know, they're the youngest, they don't want to seem immature. So they don't kind of laugh, they don't kind of show who they are. And that you, you kind of lose something because, again, business is all about making relationships and connections, and you can't do that if you're robotic. So it's okay to relax a little bit and be yourself because they hired you for who you are. So they like you as a person. Um, and then finally, curiosity. We've talked about it earlier, but it's always looking to learn more and not just sticking with the status quo. I mean, if, if you're really good at what you do, you could just do it day in and day out. But most of us are not satisfied doing the same thing, you know, for 40 years of our career. So it's always trying to learn more. Um, One thing I talk about in the book is understanding the why. So when you start out, it's a lot of task-driven assignments. And it's very difficult from those tasks. So they're so small relative to the project to understand how they fit in and, you know, how you're contributing. So it's completely appropriate to ask your manager, you know, hey, how does this, how does this fit into the bigger project? And can you explain to me what we're trying to accomplish on a larger scale? 
you know, say, asking questions like that, show your manager that you really care about the job and gets them excited about working with you. Oh my gosh, you just shared so much great knowledge. <laughs> and as a career coach, I'm just sitting here, I'm like, yes, nodding. I know that that the book is catered to, to early careers. However, I also work with, you know, mid-level careerists, established professionals. And a lot of the things that you're saying can also be beneficial for that audience. And when I've done mock interviews and I'm asking people questions and they get nervous, right? Because naturally you, you get nervous. But I always tell people like, show your personality. Yes. And that's so important. And also some of the skills that you just talked about, right? Those are things that you don't necessarily learn in the classroom. These are things that are, you know, through, through other experiences, but that you're able to, the essential skills, right? That you don't, you don't learn from a book. It's the interpersonal skills. Like you said, the communication, being able to write an email, providing contacts. I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but one of the things that, I, that I've learned or that I've seen and all levels of professionals, and I think this is why I'm bringing this up, is email communication. I always coach my students, you know, you will stand out if you provide that context. What is your major? Why are you reaching out to this person? Yep. And that the message is brief and that there's a signature line and that you tell them who you are, right? So I've received emails where it's like, hi, can you help me with my resume or Hey, I'd like to make an appointment with you. And it's like, well, who are you exactly. <laughs> looking for? And it's, and I've had this with like, again, established professionals where the email is just so bland. And I'm like, hmm, you don't want to communicate with HR or a hiring manager because that is not a good first impression. Uh, any thoughts about that? No, absolutely. And that's why I say that the book and, you know, my material is meant for young and or new and young professionals. Uh, and to be honest, some more senior professionals who've never <laughs> learned some of these lessons. Yes. Um, but yeah, these are, I find that the more perceptive you are, the quicker you'll learn these things. And I think I had to spend the last 15 years kind of learning them as I went, as most of us do, which is why I wrote the book because I didn't want people to have to, you know, figure it all out through trial and error. And the book really gives people um, an understanding of what to look for and a quick tip of how to get started. But it's not by any, men any means, you know, a 900 page step-by-step <laughs> -step guide of your career, because everyone has a different process. So absolutely. I think this applies. I see a lot of the chapters that I talk about in my day-to-day -day life with, you know, peers, senior people, junior people, really everybody uh, could <laughs> thankfully use this, use this book. It's a quick read. I think it's, it'll be definitely beneficial for people entering the, the workforce. But I think a lot of career coaches will just be re like when I was reading it, I'm like, yes, yes. Check, check. <laughs> um, That's great. So Phil, what can you share? Maybe what is some of the best career advice that you've received? Yeah, there's, there's a story that, that comes to mind. So I was finishing up my career as an investment banker. I had my job lined up to move back to Chicago and start, start my uh, new career in real estate. And it was actually my last day. And I was walking around saying bye to everybody. And there was a partner in particular that I had a good relationship with. So I sat in the you know in her office and we were talking. And before I left, I said, you know, hey, is there is there anything that you know I could have done better or anything that you any guidance that you want to provide? And she said, you know, actually there is one thing. 
Um, so, you know, in the later part of my career as an investment banker, I was working with extremely senior bankers, uh, hedge fund managers, and private equity executives. And I was all of, you know, 27. And, you know, these guys and girls were all in their 40s or 50s, extremely accomplished, you know, business builders. And, and you know, who am I? Um, so I was extremely guarded. And I talked about this a little bit earlier about being robotic, but I was extremely guarded and tried to be, you know, professional to, to kind of show that, you know, I belonged in the room. And when people were, you know, sort of being lighthearted and building rapport, which is extremely important in, in relationship building, I wasn't partaking because, again, I was really nervous about how that would be perceived as sort of the young person in the room. And this particular partner I'd gotten close to just because we naturally clicked. So she had seen me, you know, with my guard down, but she felt like some of the other people didn't. And it was never that I was, you know, rude or, you know, brusque or anything like that. It's just, like I said, I just wasn't showing exactly who I am. So she gave me that advice. And, you know, to be honest, it really took, took me back because it wasn't something I was thinking about. And, you know, I thought hard about it and completely agreed and, you know, when I started my new job, I said, all right, I'm going to put this into practice. And I was working on the investment side for about a year. And I developed this relationship with a senior person in the asset management group, partially because of my good work, but also because I was trying to be more open and build, you know, network building, connect, building connections. And he had received an opportunity to start his own practice within the firm. And he asked me if I wanted to come be his number two and build out that group. And it was an incredible opportunity. And like I said, it was partially because of my good work, but it was really because we had built that, that relationship. So he knew he could trust me and we were incredibly successful. And it was a, it was a great experience for me to have that being able to build out my own team. So. Wow. First of all, that took a lot of courage to actually ask for feedback because that is not the easiest thing to do. But you, again, the growth mindset and you stepped out of your comfort zone. And you're like, hey, what feedback do you have? Any tips? And she's like, yes. And I'm glad that she was transparent and that she gave you that advice. And, and it worked out uh, at the end. So that's that's incredible. I think it's so helpful to, to share career advice that you had and that people are paying it forward. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, you have a lot going on and, you know, you have this book, but I can imagine that you have other goals and initiatives. Can you share, you know, what's, what's, what else are you working on? Any other, you know, other things? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very glad you asked. So I, <laughs> I view the book as really the first step. Um, you know, as I said, my goal is to reach as many people as possible. And there's a lot of avenues and paths that I can do that. Of course, it's great to connect directly with students, you know, through the book. But I'd love to do what we're doing right now, which is talking um, so that I can even provide even more context. You know, the, ben the book is meant to be um, you know, digested on its own. So it doesn't need me giving a talk, but that, that, always, that always helps. <laughs> Um, so what I've been doing over the last few months is partnering with a number of institutions, um, first nonprofits focused on, you know, mentoring and first generation college students, because um, those students, I mean, everyone really needs this material, like we said earlier, but those students who don't have 
you know, parents who've been to college or parents who have been in the workplace or have the network and were able to secure internships through their network, they need this information more than anyone to sort of level the playing field. Um, so I've been partnering with them to give talks um, and help out in any way that I can, which has been really fun and exciting. Um, I'm also working with universities. Um, so I'm going to be giving some talks throughout the area, um, the Midwest and actually on the East Coast as well. Um, talking about the material and again, just uh, connecting with students and, and helping them in any way that I can. And finally, working with corporations that have large campus recruiting efforts, um, you know, hopefully being a part of their orientation and their training programs. Um, someone who was through that process twice, uh, I know that this information would have been, you know, really helpful. So I'd love to kind of pass that along. And then the last thing, um, you know, I realized that this book and all my material is primarily coming from my personal experiences. Um, so I've, I've decided to kind of branch out to my network and really build out uh, a database of everyone sort of um, calling them do's and don'ts, you know, is my working title. But really, it's, it's pet peeves and other things that people really love to see in new professionals. So with that spirit in mind, I'm curious if there's some things that you have that you would love to share, um, you know, things that you love to see from young professionals and things that maybe you don't love so much. Oh, yes. I love talking about this. <laughs> things that I like to see is, you know, people showing appreciation, right? And, and valuing people's time. You know, a, a thank you can go a long way. And I think it goes back to what you're talking about is that relationship building. And I really value relationships and being authentic. Uh, now, for the pet peeve, kind of in that vein, when people schedule an appointment and they don't show up, they don't, they just cancel or they cancel like two minutes before, yeah. right? And so for me, I see that as a sign of disrespect uh, because I always try to value other people's time and honor that. And, and I, you know, I feel like that should be reciprocated. So that's something that I always like to teach people, like, you need to be on time. And if you're going to cancel, you know, let people know ahead of time, uh, because you don't know what people have going on in their lives. So those are my, those are the ones that I'll share with you today. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I have plenty more, Phil. So we can yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is wonderful. And thank you for the work that you do. This is extremely helpful. And I'm so happy to hear that you are branching out and going out to universities and really getting in front of students so that they can be successful because that's what we want. We want them to be successful in, in the workplace, in their career, so that they can have fulfill, a fulfilling you know, trajectory. So how can people connect with you? Where, where can they find you? Absolutely. Yeah. So they can start with my website, which is justtellmebook.com. So www just tell me book.com. Um, there's a link to the Amazon page where my book is sold. Um, there's also a contact area so you can reach out to me there. And then there's more information on the book, or you can just email me directly at phil at just tell me book.com. Um, but yeah, looking to partner um, with people like yourself, um, people that work with young people, either in you know university setting or in a professional setting, any way that I can help, um, you know, feel free to reach out to me and I'd love to talk more. Wonderful. Thank you again, Phil. This was amazing. And everything you just shared, I will put that in the show notes. So there you have it, everyone. Make sure you check out Just Tell Me What I Need to Know. 
All right. Well, thanks, Phil. And we will stay connected. Thank you so much, Liz. Really appreciate it.